Leagues. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, every. New plans afoot for EU migrants who will not be allowed to claim benefits for up to three years. Perhaps that might stop them coming here. The uh, the father jailed for a fraud to pay school fees. 78 grand, we name and shame. Spencer Matthews beds another woman. Big surprise there. That's that uh, peculiar-looking one from Made in Chelsea. And apparently... Uh, well, I have to tell you the story because it's actually quite funny. Uh, more women... Uh, so more people want to watch women playing football than men. They sell more tickets. 20 years on, Pink Floyd top the charts. There's a new test for EU nurses to prove they can actually speak and understand English. The families who've been told they're too middle class to adopt a dog and the scrap dealer from Croydon who thieves grave plaques. You couldn't make it up. It's on LBC. All of that and more between now and 6.30. I trust you well. Yesterday was a rubbish day. I have to tell you it was a rubbish day. Because it, it was just one, one sort of, not catalogue of disasters, but it was just odd thing. I went out for a lovely breakfast with a, a friend of mine who used to work at, uh, at LBC. And uh, he, he's moved up to Scotland, and he's working for ITN up there. And he came down to London, and he, he sent me a thing the other week. He said, do you want to go out for, for brekkie? So I said, yeah. So he came down with his partner, and uh, we go out for a very nice breakfast to Bill's. You know, we had the, the full English. Although I can't be doing with black pudding, so we don't bother with anything like that on the plate. It just can't. Ugh, ugh, ugh. And uh, we were chatting, and I knew before that his, uh, his partner uh, was recently diagnosed with motor neurons disease. Now, he's only 28, and as far as I'm concerned, I think 28 is just ridiculously young. There are other people younger who are diagnosed with motor neurons, and it was only in June of this year, and um, already he started deteriorating. I know nothing about motor neurons disease at all. I just know that we don't know anything about it. It's just, we don't know where it comes from. Is it in your body? Does something trigger it off? We don't know. We just don't know. All I know is that... You know, for 28 years old, he's a remarkably fantastic person for facing up to something like this. When he's having difficulty walking already, he can't lift his leg up onto a step. They reckon that by Christmas he'll be in a wheelchair. And you think, it's just, why are we not progressing? Who gives us stuff about whether racing cars can go fast around a track? Let's shove millions and billions into research for sorting out, you know, what ails us. That would make far more sense to me. Makes far more sense. I don't understand why, we, why we're interested in putting somebody on the moon. Who gives a toss about whether somebody goes on the moon? I'd rather save loads of lives by finding out, you know, what happens inside our bodies if we get motor neurons disease or if we get cancers. You know, we still don't have cures for the common cold. And still we've got blurred adverts whizzing round, making people immensely rich. I don't have a problem with making people rich. That's not the argument, as far as I'm concerned. The argument is, I think you could spend money on medical research and get far more benefit. Far more benefit out of it. I did like the story about Russia and them pulling down the statue, because I've always thought that Putin was the gayest thing I've ever seen. Seriously, you see him riding a horse with his shirt off. How gay is that? That really is. I mean, in Russian terms, that's really gay. I don't even know if they have gay bars in Russia. I'm assuming there must be loads of gay people in Russia, but perhaps they, they don't come out. Perhaps they sort of do it secretly, comrade. You know? Uh, you, you whoopsie? Uh, I might be whoopsie. I don't know. You know, it could be quite interesting, couldn't it? Mind you, I suppose there's not much, not much chance of having a really exciting gay bar, is there? Because let's face it, in the winter, everybody's done up with furs and everything else. You wouldn't even know what people look like. They just look like Eskimos. But they've taken down the statue because I think it promotes homosexuality. 
which I can't quite get my head around. But there again, I mean, they aren't the only backward country in the world. You know, there's loads of uh, loads of others. Of course, more corruption in Russia than anything else. So, OK to have a few sort of gay mafiosa people, but uh, woe betide we put a statue up from a company that's now got a gay CEO. The statue, incidentally, isn't of him, as you now know. So anyway, so yesterday, so we go out for this lunch, and I'm, I'm going through this humbling experience of having, uh, of having breakfast with somebody who, who, whose hands he can't... He's only 28. I mean, it just, just really drives me mad. It's, he can't sort of cut things, so he sort of has to tear things. And, and you find yourself going, do you want me to do that? I can cut that for you. And uh, he said, no, no, I'm, I'll be all right, I'll be all right. So you, you watch, because it's good, it's good for somebody to do that kind of thing. But to watch him trying to lift his leg up to go up a step, so he can't do steps, he can't do stairs. And you just keep thinking, sod motor racing, sod going to the moon, sod Virgin Atlantic, shove it into medical research. Shove it into medical research, let's find some cures, let's do, let's, you know, I know we've moved on a pace, but goodness me, we can spend so much money on these things. So anyway, so having had that, and really had a lovely, lovely time, if not a humbling experience which affected me. Um, I then go back to the station, and so that was nice. Get on the train, and uh, we're pootling out. I, I just managed to get the right train. I was oh, so lucky. <clears throat> I get on the right train, and, and we set off on our journey, and we get as far as Queenstown Road. I'm in first class, because, you know, I like sitting in first class. So there was nobody else in there apart from three. Let's call them um, Yobbo's. Yobbos would be a very good description. The trouble is they were very well-spoken Yobbos, so I suspect they all kind of went to, like, you know, good school. You know, Matron Pater saved up for us. But the language was foul beyond belief. I've never heard language like it. Obviously, the sort of thing that sort of rich, rich people use. I mean, Princess Margaret was known as being a foul-mouthed woman. Every other word emanated from that woman's gob. And these three on the train were exactly the same yesterday. Only they were doing it in kind of a posh accent. And I mean every word every word that, you know, some of whom you don't expect to hear on public transport. Anyway, so at Queenstown Road, I'm on southwestern trains, and we stop. Then the guard comes on and apologises and said that there is a, a problem with signalling somewhere between Barnes and Richmond. So I thought, OK. So we sit there. And we sit there. And we sit there. And uh, then he comes back on again, he says... Um, uh, we, we still don't have any more news. People are on their way to sort out the signalling problem. I thought, can't they just change the fuse? So we sit there. By this time, we're now in a queue. So even had they got the thing working... Anyway, we sat there for the best part of 45 minutes. 45 minutes on a station going nowhere. So you have to put up with the yobbos, who are sort of doing their sort of foul-mouthed language. And the other thing that they thought was hilarious, and I should imagine their age was probably 16, 17, was banging on the window and then pulling the curtains so that, you know, I mean, really dumb. They were really dumb. Really dumb. I don't think I've actually seen anybody so thick in quite a long while. It was a... Oh, I have. Wait a minute. I saw The Apprentice. And so we're sitting on the train and we're going nowhere. And eventually he says, um, there is still no time of when it's going to be happening. He said, so that you can get off and get a train on the other platform. So by this time, the rain is lashing down. And all I'm thinking is, right, that's OK. I mean, not, I'm not in any particular rush to get home. I'm OK. I haven't got anything to do. Although when I came in this morning, I suddenly realised that I should have done my invoice and completely forgot about it. So that ruined that part of the day. And, um, and so I get off and then a train comes in on the other platform and I pootle back to Waterloo again. Now, of course, the good news is that had I had my Oyster card, 
I would have had to have paid to go on a journey and then come back and swipe out again to go onto the underground. So I thought the only way to do it is go to the underground. That at least I can get through. It takes forever on the underground. It really does. And so I'm having a good old moan about it. You know, all very tongue-in-cheek. And some, some buffoon I've now blocked on, on Twitter because he was a complete and utter brat uh, from Yorkshire said he's retired. And because I said at one point, I said, oh, God, I'm going to have to sit next to people who are wet. You know, like a LOL kind of thing. And he wrote back and said, oh, get a grip. So I thought, well, I think you're elderly and about to sort of pop past your clog. So I sort of, I deleted him because I thought it put him out of his misery. Because <laughs> he was quite clearly a bit too stupid to realise. I couldn't imagine what he did for a living. Probably a teacher, I should imagine. But anyway, so I then decide to go and get the tube. And that's great. So I said to blow, you know, Richmond. Because I knew I was going to have to get off at Richmond and then get the bus. Because we don't have the tube to Twickenham. We're far too posh for that. Far too posh. We even get out of the bath to go to the toilet with that posh. And so I then get on the tube. And as I got onto the platform at Embankment, the train going out, I said, I bet you, sod's law, that'll be the Richmond train. Blow me down, it was the Richmond train. So you have to wait another 15 minutes for the next one. But that was okay. I got on, they had a little seat all to myself. You know, the one that's for these sort of people who can't stand very long. So I got that one, so that was great. So that was quite happy. And then we just poodled along. And I got in, I don't know, about three o'clock or whatever it was. And, um... And I've been sort of sending tweets out and everything else, moaning about the state of everything. And then somebody said, why don't you have a beer? So I wrote back, don't be silly, I'm on an underground train. They don't even have a buffet car. On the- I wish they did have, you know, a trolley going up and down I mean, would be more the merrier. So I did that. Uh, and then Dan tweeted me to let me know that the candles that I want to get for the Magic Circle are available in Reading. And so I'm going to have to go to Farnborough today because I don't, I don't really want to poodle already. But in the meantime, I've got to do the invoice. I'll tell you, you think your life's stressful. You want to be in my life. I tell you, yesterday, I kind of had the weight of the world. And, uh, and I've got to get in contact with my accountant, who's either just come back from half term with the kids, uh, or he's totally ignoring me. It's probably the latter, I should imagine. And so I've got that to do today. I've got so many things to do today, and it's only Tuesday. But I can tell you, this weekend, uh, for In Conversation... Torville and Dean, yeah, big up Torville and Dean, and Michelle Rue Jr., we talk food, we did him yesterday, he came in very early, he's up early, he gets up really early, about quarter past six in the morning, and he'd already been into the restaurant, the Gavroche, Le Gavroche, and so he then came in, I was expecting him to bring in food, (laughs) he didn't bring in any food, and I was quite hungry by that time. So, uh, all in all, yesterday was very nice. And so, for this weekend, it's Michelle Rue Jr. talking about this uh, Food of London winter for this year. And there's going to be... Oh, all, the, all the top chefs are down there. All the people who are cooking and demonstrating and the restaurants. And there's going to be the best place in London to get roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. It's a pub that does roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. But apparently, it's really... It's 18 quid. I know, it seems like for a pub, but it's one of those gastro-type pub things. They've done a feature in the paper today. Vincent Graff has done a piece on, um, on the best places to get a good pub lunch. Because if, if, you know, if, if it's a good pub lunch, it's worth paying for. See, I don't think 18 quid is too much. Kind of. I think what it works out at, you get a tray with your roast beef on and lamb, I think, and then Yorkshire puddings, roast potatoes. Making your mouth water now, isn't it? If you're a little bit hungry and some gravy. I love Yorkshire puddings. I could just eat Yorkshire puddings by themselves. Sometimes I do go down on my knees and thank Aunt Bessie for making Yorkshire puddings. Because she makes them and you just pop them in the oven. Or feeling like you go to Marks and Spencer's or anywhere else and they're already ready-made. You just heat them up. And they're absolutely delicious. I bought one a short while ago, about a year ago. And it was a big Yorkshire pudding filled with mincemeat and carrot and onions and everything else. Delicious. Really, really nice. I could eat one now. But don't have the time to do it because we've got to do a programme. So that's why we're here till 6.30 on LBC. 
This is LBC. Ferrari and the team this morning at seven as Theresa May is forced to apologise that her inquiry into historical child abuse still has no chairman. Nick will be asking, should we just go ahead without a chair? Plus all the latest on the sentencing of a 16-year-old boy who stabbed his teacher to death. And how much do your children know about safe cycling? Nick will be putting kids to the test. From seven o'clock this morning, looking at the papers today, Yasmin Khan, the broadcaster and playwright, will be live in the studio. Uh, this uh, story about the, uh, the young man who stabbed Anne Maguire to death. This is William Cornick, whose picture in the paper today. All the papers are going to say the same thing, baby-faced killer. It doesn't take away from the fact that he's quite clearly mentally deranged. He quite clearly is sick. He was planning this, they say, for three years. Uh, the, the thing that made me slightly bulk this morning when I was reading it was that when he appeared in court wearing a suit and his parents were sitting at the back of the court listening to uh, what he did, he showed no remorse whatsoever. The judge and the... Uh, and all the uh, the council dispensed with their, their robes and wigs. What, to make him think it wasn't serious? I didn't quite understand why they did that. He's 16 years old, and uh, he said uh, killing teacher was fine and dandy. He's quite clearly mentally ill. I mean, I'd, what do you call that, normal behaviour? I don't think so. And so they've got stories about that inside the papers. He planned it for years and years. He was armed with knives and Jack Daniels, and he plotted to kill three teachers, one of them who was pregnant... Uh, every time he had a grudge against somebody, he sort of put them down in his little diary as to, sort this is somebody else. And they've said, you know, 20 years to life, but he might never be released. Well, he's only 16. If he gets 20 years, he's going to be out at the age of 36. You know, and that's when you sort of think to yourself, I think life has to mean life. This, this, uh, there is this new series, as you know, going tomorrow on the television on ITV called Broadmoor by my friend Jonathan Levi. And this looks at people like this, people who can never be released because they're mentally ill, they have to be on medication for the whole of their life, because quite clearly they've got some screws loose and something's the matter with them. I don't know, you know, you, everybody, everybody has a grudge against a teacher at some point, do you? You have your favourite teachers at school, then you have the teachers that you don't like, you know, I don't like them, they're always picking on me. But you don't think, oh, I'm going to stab them to death. That's what you don't think. He then calmly, after he'd done it, sat down at his desk again. I mean, quite clearly. Perhaps it's to draw attention to himself, perhaps because he's sad and pathetic, I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what goes on in the mind of these uh, people. But whatever he, whatever he comes out, and he will undoubtedly come out, they give them new identities, like Mary Bell, the child killer, who Gita Sereni wrote a, a book about, and paid her. And paid her, apparently. That was the big question, wasn't it, with Gita Sereni, when I asked her on LBC, did you pay... The rumour was that she'd paid Mary Bell, the child killer, £50,000. Did you pay her? I don't want to talk about that. Did you pay her? It's a fairly straightforward question. Anyway, ghastly old Gita Sereni then complained about me. Horrible woman. Horrible woman. Hated her. Hated her to pieces. Hated her. But uh, I hate this boy as well, but only for what he did, because he destroyed a family. He destroyed a family for a, for a teacher who was loved by everybody. And they say, 20 years to life, he might never be released. What sort of prison are they going to put him in? Presumably he's going to be in maximum security. He's quite clearly deranged. But then Ollie was asking the question, should he be named and shamed? And the answer is, I don't know. I t I'm seriously, I seriously don't know. You know, it's interesting for us to look at him and go, so that's what a killer looks like. But then they look ordinary, don't they? They said if, the, you know, if, if Rose and Fred West had had horns growing out of their head, then we might have spotted them but because they looked ordinary. This boy just looks like any other 16-year-old boy, but quite clearly he's demented. You know, the Wests were demented. Luckily, Fred West took his own life. You seriously hope that maybe maybe Rose might follow suit. I don't want to keep these people in prison for the rest of their life. It doesn't serve any useful purpose. 
What's the point of keeping him in prison for 20 years? What do you think? He's going to be remorseful after a while. He's not remorseful now. Couldn't care less. Killing teacher was fine and dandy, he said. He calmly sat down. She got what she deserved. <laughs> what? You know, you secretly hope that perhaps he might be found hanging in his cell in prison. So that's, so that's the reason. I don't quite understand why we've named and shamed. Everybody at the school knows who he is. And I suppose that's the argument, isn't it, for the newspapers, that everybody knows who he is, but nobody wanted to say. But yet all the, all the other pupils knew who he was. Uh, and I suppose the name would eventually got out there. It might have been on the internet for ages. I don't know. I never checked for that kind of thing. In the same way that the other day, when we have three, three uh, high-profile murderers who've all been let out of prison... And they're now living in a seaside resort. And the big question in the office was yesterday, which seaside resort? We wanted to know which seaside. So they, they, they said, we, we can't name the seaside resort. Why not? We've named a 16-year-old killer here. His name is William Cornick. And he's going to prison. What sort of prison you send him to for life at 16, I don't know. Is he in a maximum security prison? Will he be kept away from everybody else? Is he too dangerous? I mean, what, what is he? We should, we should be told about this. But whether or not it serves the purpose putting him on the front page of all the papers for the family to no doubt get targeted, as indeed they will. You know what internet trolls are like. My goodness me, I should imagine they'll, they'll be trolling that family from, uh, from yesterday after it was revealed. Interesting. Uh, off to the X Factor now, lightening the load a little bit. And uh, Dawn went. She and her husband queued to go to the X Factor. This was for the, uh, the live X Factor results on Sunday night. They queued for three and a half hours. I don't think I could stand up for three and a half hours. Loads of people behind us uh, didn't get in. We had normal tickets, not priority. And uh, we had an extra bonus. Just after we got in, we saw One Direction pre-recorded performance. That'll be shown on next Sunday's results show. Because you know that the X Factor results show in the X Factor is Simon Cowell's programme for Simon Cowell to promote his artists. That's what it's, it's... I mean, I, I don't know how they've managed to get away with it all these years, but they have. So they did the One One Direction thing, then they dismantled their set. Although, to be honest with you, I don't know what sort of set One Direction needs. You have to sort of put up images of them or something. Anyway, so they did it. And then they built Cheryl's set, and uh, it was lots of lights. Nine big rectangular frames, which had lots of uh, light bulbs attached to them. The frames then were arranged vertically, blah, blah, blah. And then they tested the lights, nearly blinding everybody. That's why there's a the guy in the front there who uh, his epilepsy was sparked by the amount of lights. Because at the beginning of the programme, they put a flasher up saying, you know, if you suffer from ep epilepsy, stay away from the television, because it's going to be lots of blinding lights. I did a show once, and it was down at the Queen's Theatre. <laughs> and I had a load of friends down there, and the jacket for the night was all mirrors. It was all mirrors. And it was lovely. I mean, it really looked like it was that, that coat of many colours and bright lights. And it was all mirrors, lots of little tiny mirrors. When I wore it on stage and the spotlight hit me, I looked like a giant mirror ball. Every time I turned round, I blinded people. I mean, it was, it was so bad, I had to take the thing off. I didn't realise it could be that bad. But they then tested the lights and then the warm-up warm guy, Roycey, came out and said, oh, Simon Cowell's sunbed or something like that, very bright. When they, when they took it down, it took 20 minutes to dismantle it. So that's why it was all done pre-recorded, apparently. Um, the studio really isn't that big, says Dawn. The camera angles make it look bigger. I know, it's like going to see Sunday night at the London Palladium when you realise, oh, it's not as big as I thought it was. Uh, we saw Cheryl pre-record her performance great, but I wasn't sure at the time whether she was singing live unless she had some kind of tuning going on her mic because it didn't sound like a pure voice, not natural when we got home, we watched it back on television, and it did look like she was miming. One Direction did sound as if they were singing live, 
during their pre-record. Plus, John Legend performed during the actual live TV show. And I'm sure he was singing live too. You could just tell. He was great. So, uh, so the Cheryl thing, because it's, you know, it didn't sound like a pure voice. You know, it's, it's, if it's got that slight edge to it, if it sounds slightly electronic, she's auto-tuned. And we all know that Cheryl can't really sing. She's not a singer because we have, we have heard her before. And to be honest with you, you know, if that's the singing voice, let her mime. It's easier. Uh, the whole show flew by. They kept us there for the first part of the Extra Factor live show, straight after 9pm. They speak live to the judges. And they let us go during the first ad break. I agree with you about the new presenter of The Extra Factor, Sarah Jane Crawford. I'm not really that keen on her. Much better presented by Caroline Flack and Ollie Murs. I don't like her at all. I think she's arrogant and not very good. She's, uh, she's really stuck up her own rear end, I'm afraid. Not, not good at all. Not good at all, at all, at all. She's not very good. I don't like her. The trouble is, there's nothing worse than a smug person. And Sarah Jane Crawford comes across as very, very smug. I don't know where she's come from, but I wish she'd blooming well go back there. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, another one here. Uh, this, oh, so it's Ollie talking about favourite jobs. I love fa- favourite jobs. Isn't that fantastic? Favourite jobs. What would be your favourite job? The one I'm doing at the moment, I think. The one I'm, I'm doing... Um, at the moment, that that would be your favourite job, wouldn't it? I would think so. I can't. I can't think of any other job that would be better than this one. I, I mean, what what would be a better job than than this? I mean, when you think about it, all right. So you have to get up at stupid o'clock in the morning. Um, so who actually cares? Would it would it make any any different whether you get up at this time in the morning? I get paid for it. They send a nice car for me. I can sort of, I can come in here. Oh, I have to put up with the producer if he's having one of his mares of a day. Like yesterday, we were running about all over the place, trying, well, we thought yesterday, trying to sort of cut down on the time it takes us to do the two items. that We've got to do three items at the end of each programme. We've got to do the podcast. That's, that's, that's release the podcast uh, from the programme. Then we've got to record the podcast. Then we've got to record the weather for the early news programme. <laughs> And trying to rush it all about because people aren't available all at the same time. So yesterday we kept the producer came up with this brilliant idea. I mean, I thought it was like Krypton Factor. I was waiting, you know, any minute to stand on one leg and eat a dry biscuit without going for a glass of water. And I thought that's going to be it. So he started. He, he, he did the first podcast, which was brilliant. And then after he'd done that, he then sort of set me down with all my things, and we just do a little test, one, two, one, two, one, two, and then I start recording that. He then shoots off to another studio. By this time, the clock's ticking, OK? T- clock's ticking, because we've got to get it in, got to get... So he runs up the road, and he then gets the people in, and he, he records the thing, and, and they come kind of rushing back in again, and I'm still doing it. And, then, and we finished by quarter two. Quarter two, we actually finished doing the whole lot. We were running out of the door, at literally just gone quarter two, because he had to get out of London before the congestion charge hooked in. Because years ago, when we were in another building in Shepherd's Bush, I couldn't. My program finished at, uh, I think it was seven o'clock in the morning, and I couldn't get it. How do you get out of the building before seven o'clock in the morning when the congestion charge came in at the end of our road? That was where the congestion charge was at Shepherd's Bush. I couldn't find a way around it. I couldn't find a way around it. It was the biggest pain in the rear end you've ever had. Latest headlines now because it's four thirty. Steve Allen on LBC. I thought it was on the internet, Will Cornick named as the killer of Anne Maguire. You see, but the trouble is that I wouldn't be looking for things like that. I wouldn't know. It's only when we've had uh, issues before and, and I've said, you know, why are we not naming this person? Why is that not happening? And they say, well, because they're not allowed to. And you go, but it's all over the internet. Like that girl who was raped by that footballer. 
her name was all over the internet. I still don't know who it is, and I don't particularly want to know who it is. But that's why the internet, you know, people know about it. So this particular boy, because everybody in the school would know who it is, they just put it up on the internet. Before you know where you are, it goes viral. And the next thing is, it then becomes, you know, common knowledge for everybody. Except me, I'm the last person, so I didn't know. When I heard Ollie talk about this morning, I thought he'd just been named. I didn't realise he'd been photographed as well. And I don't know what sort of prison he goes to for at least 20 years. I mean, th- th- I mean, out of the whole sorry shebang, and it is a sorry shebang, you wouldn't want to be a teacher, would you? Because you've got so many, you know, feral children in the class. He planned this for three years. He was drinking. He took two knives into class. And then after he'd committed, I mean, it, there was just no logical reason for doing it. Just no... I mean, I sat on the bus yesterday coming back from Richmond, and across me I've got, you know, the loony on the bus... So she's sitting there, and she's got a big bag next to her, and uh, and she's talking to herself. Well, I mean, I talk to myself all the time. All the time. But you just knew from the way she was sitting that there was going to be trouble at some point. She might, you know, she might have been caring the community, I don't know. And then, sort of, the bus set off, and she's still sitting there going through her stuff. And then, all of a sudden, she picks up her bag, stands up, utters half a dozen expletives, and throws the bag down next to me and comes to sit next to me. I'm sitting on that raised seat behind the driver, because I like sitting there. Makes me feel like I'm driving the bus, kind of. And uh, and then she starts, let me out of this place, I don't want to be here anymore. Why are you still following me? And I thought, this woman should be in a hospital. The next thing is, she opens up her bag, I thought, here we go. And you know you're always watching out the corner of your eyes, I wonder what she's doing. She gets out a packet of cigarettes. I thought, tell me, please, God, she's not going to light a cigarette up. Nobody, no, she doesn't. She holds the cigarette and the lighter in her hand for the whole journey. And eventually she gets off, mumbling away to herself. And you think, I'm sure there must be a history there. There must be some sort of story. But they're always out there. And these people, whether they drink or whether it's an illness, I've got no idea because I don't know them. You just think to yourself, it would be quite easy. We've all seen the drunks on the buses. I got off the bus yesterday at Waterloo and some bloke gets onto the bus where I've just got off it. In other words, he's avoiding paying He's doing it because he knows that there's no inspectors on the bus. If he saw an inspector on the bus, he wouldn't get on there. And I've seen kids do it as well down in Isworth. There's feral kids all over the place. You know, that's what they do. They, they, they try and cheat the system. We've got a couple of benefit fraudsters um, in the paper today. Uh, one who robbed the company he was working for to put his kids through private school. And another one, a so-called bodybuilder, who claimed he couldn't even walk. Couldn't even walk. Dreadful. Absolutely dreadful. So the other story in the paper as for today uh, is uh, Adrian Childs. He's worth almost £5 million. I mean, dear God, it's not bad, is it? The ITV football presenter's company has made profits of £4.625 million and he advanced himself a million. He's got £2 million in the bank and splashed out on a million-pound property. So here we are on a good morning, Britain. What you got to say? Welcome to morning, Britain, and then um, so welcome to wake up morning. Oh God, it was too disas- disastrous for words. Absolutely too disastrous. Uh, Ali Ross will come round to a little bit later on because I did watch a bit of uh, Holly Willoughby's surprise, surprise. Oh God, it's awful. I mean, it really is tragically dreadful. It's so predictable. It's cynical and predictable. It's just not. Very good. It really isn't. I'm not interested in people. White D's in the papers say, good God, love, I thought you disappeared. I thought we'd seen the last of you. You've had your five seconds of fame. Goodbye. Go, 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 go now. Nobody wants you. We've seen one of the Beckhams modelling, because they eventually push all the kids into the limelight. Mummy works, Daddy works, your work. What does work involve? Well, I don't know. Somebody dresses you up, puts makeup on your face and takes a photograph. Have you seen his lame whiskey advert? I wouldn't be touching that any time soon, I'm afraid. I just see it as a bit cynical. 
you know, the Beckhams advertise whiskey. Do you seriously think they sit at home discussing the finer points of whiskey? <laughs> Buffalo, do they? And uh, Spencer Matthews. I have to mention Spencer Matthews because he's such a buffoon. He's such a buffoon. Anyway, he slept with more posh girls and he's had caviar sandwiches. The trouble is I don't know what, what keeps dragging them back to him, perhaps because they're, they're desperate. But anyway, one of them is a guy called Lauren Hutton. And uh, Lauren Hutton, uh, apparently, uh, he spent months begging her for a date. Uh, a source said it took Lauren a while to warm to Spencer, but eventually she sort of, you know, kind of fell into his bed, as they do, you know, proving once and for all that the posh totty in Made in Chelsea is no different at all from the old bimbos over in Towie or in Geordie Shore. It's just that they speak with a better accent. But basically, they're just ready to climb into bed with just about anybody. You remember, of course, that uh, Lucy Watson and Louise Thompson, who seems to be working her way through Chelsea... Uh, also were part of his uh, his storyline. I just felt a bit sorry for him. He's a, he's a bit naff, isn't he? I mean, God in heaven. If you're going to pick somebody, you're not going to pick that buffoon with a silly hairstyle. Spencer Matthews like, OK, you're, you know, I mean, he's really drippy. Really drippy. And we saw the nude pictures of him. I'd go back to the baby Jesus and complain. Get another one. Uh, but also, his, uh, his womanising ways got him on the show The Bachelor, following in the footsteps of that well-known personality, Gavin Henson. You remember Gavin Henson. He was married to Charlotte, the singing dustbin church, and um, her parents had a pub in Welsh Wales. The good thing about it was that most of the furniture was screwed to the floor, such as the drinking ways of the, uh, of the Welsh. But anyway, so Gavin Henson, we suddenly realised that when he, when he emerged from the shadow and he came out of his conch shell, he was the most boring person under the sun. In fact, it made Spencer Matthews look like he actually had a personality, which, of course, he hadn't, because he was equally as dull in The Bachelor. It was very, very tedious, very tedious. But anyway, it's, it's a shame, really, because as the years go by and Spencer gets older and the girls appear to get younger and more dim in Made in Chelsea, there's always going to be somebody for him to bed. And as I say, in the case of Lauren Hutton, now apparently they are an item. Uh, yeah, for about two minutes. And then, of course, she'll be ditched to one side and he'll find another bit of, uh, a bit of totty. I mean, the funny thing is, it's, it is the same as Towie. It's just that they don't wear as much makeup. They've all had a reasonably good education. And, uh, but they still climb into bed with just about anybody. I don't think anybody's held out yet. They all go out, uh, who are you going out with? I'm going out with Proudlock. Sorry? Proudlock. Who's he? Proudlock. What is he? It's Ol- oh, Oliver. Oh, Ollie! Oh, goodness sake, I don't- why are we calling him by his surname? Ridiculous, isn't it, really? So, more people want to watch women playing football. 40,000 fans watched the Three Lions last men's game. For the England's women, 45,000 tickets have already been sold. It's goal power. Absolutely goal power. So that's good, isn't it? And uh, here we go. Wayne Rooney, the man with the shredded wheat on his head. You know, the chavvy wife? King of the chavs? You know, king and queen of the chavs? And their, uh, their little son, Wayne? I think, no, it's Kai, isn't it? Anyway, he's 29, he earns £325,000 a week. That's what he earns. That's why she goes on holiday. You know, they don't know what to do with the money. Bury it in the garden, spend it on another load of useless items from department stores. Uh, Steph Houghton is the England skipper. This is the girly side, hence being called Steph. Although in this day and age, it could be somebody else, couldn't it? She's 26, she's got 50 caps, and she earns £770 a week. Isn't that pathetic? Isn't that pathetic? And they sell more tickets than the boys do. Oh, here we go. Jimmy White. I blew two million pounds betting. I'm an effing idiot. Yep, and that's why we're not buying your book, mate. Why on earth we want to line your pockets again? You're an idiot. You're a complete buffoon. 
His book's priced at 19 quid. <laughs> Why waste your money? My six-week benders with UB40, Thin Lizzy and, uh, and Higgins. Uh, I bet £20,000 on a horse and didn't care if it won. It did. God, they must be a bit dim, mustn't they, in that game? I can't think of anything else, really. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Uh, here's the, uh, the scrap dealer. This is Joseph Collier. And um, Joseph Collier is 72, and he bought hundreds of stolen metal graveside plaques. What a piece of filth. Comes from Croydon. Police acting on a tip-off found hundreds of plaques at his yard, cut up to disguise them. They said some had mud and were wall-plugged from where they were prized from graves. He denied stolen goods charges, but CCTV at his yard showed him overseeing the cutting up. He's been uh, convicted... And he's gone to prison for 15 months. Somebody just wrote to me and said, I used to work for Joe Collier back in the early 80s. He was a right horrible little man back then. Never had any friends. Nobody liked him. And he's been put inside before for buying dodgy metal. Well, he can spend the next uh, 15 months of his life in there. He's 72. Perhaps he'll die in there. Somebody who steals from the dead. That's Joseph Collier. He comes from Croydon in South London. Bit of a blight on Croydon, isn't it? Sorry about that, Croydon. Occasionally, you know, you have to sort of put up with these things, but he's horrible. Uh, 84850... Steve at lbc.co.uk. Let's try and weave in as much as we can this morning. Makes it so much easier, actually. On the subject of uh, of roast beef, I didn't catch the name of the gastro pub. Uh, I shall tell you in a moment, actually. I shall find it. I shall find it in a moment. It's in uh, it's in one of my little papers this morning. I like to uh, I like to bring you stories, especially if it involves food. And if I point people in the in the right direction, I bought a lovely bottle of prosecco. Well, I buy quite a lot of bottles of Prosecco from, uh, from Marks and Spencer's. And it's particularly nice. So I had that yesterday with chicken stroganoff, which was with some wild rice. I mean, it was really wild. It was going, yeah, yeah, and being all sort of all over the place. So I had that. But I'm fi- one, one portion's never enough. So I bought two. And it was, it was particularly delicious. So I had wild rice with chicken stroganoff, which was mushrooms, and the sauce was particularly delicious. Particularly delicious. Uh, you've got the Paddington movie coming up shortly. I'm in two minds over it. And much as I adore Hugh, Mod- Hugh Bonneville, uh, I'm not sure that this looks anything like Paddington. Paddington's got short, stubby legs. This Paddington has not got short, stubby legs. It don't look like Paddington. It looks like a hybrid. I'm sorry, it's, it's got to be... Uh, it's got to look more like Paddington. The face doesn't look like Paddington. It's not hairy enough. Paddington's a little boy. He can't have aged. He can't have grown up. We don't... <coughs> excuse me. We don't, don't want him to grow up, do we? There is um, a boy here killed by a bus. Uh, he was shoplifting. It was a dare. A shoplifting dare. I mean, I ask you. And uh, Cheryl's husband is suing a magazine over a wedding story. This is the second time that Cheryl's husband is suing... I'm assuming he's obviously discovered this is actually quite a good idea because before he was a nobody, a total nobody. Then he marries this uh, Vassini, Versace, Spaghetti Bolognese, Spag Bol woman, Tweedy Cole, all the rest of it. Newcastle, Sink Estate, family slightly rough. And, uh, and all of a sudden he started suing left, right and centre over comments in magazines about their wedding and things like that. So he's obviously hit on some little winner. We'll talk about the great Wolendo. He comes from a, a family. He went tightrope walking, blindfold, blindfold. No safety net, nothing. No, sa- just just a, a, a bar to hold. I felt physically ill looking at it because he's about 540 feet up in the air, and I'm thinking, say there's a gust of wind, say there's a gust of wind, and it sort of and it, it blows. What happened? And the answer is he dies. The great Wolendos. It's a, a great 
tightrope walking act from circus in America. They have had disasters. They've had a huge family disaster in the past. We'll tell you about that very shortly. It's uh, quarter to five. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. So, uh, Britain's best roast. Britain's best roast. Luckily, it's in London. Although I'm sure that uh, there's other places around the country. And uh, this featured in the in the um, Metro yesterday. You don't get that around the country. You're deprived of it. It's a nice little freebie paper. Vincent Graff went out and uh, he, he tried various places. Uh, this one here. Uh, the runners-up for best roast. One is in Edinburgh. It's called the Kylo Restaurant and Grill. £100 for four to five people. So what they do is they obviously bring you a big platter, which is easier than plating up separately, don't you think so? The Queen's Head in Bramfield in Suffolk, nine ninety five a head. The Dog and Partridge in Yakeley, ten ninety five. The Red Lion in Britwell, Salome, which is in Oxfordshire, mains from thirteen fifty. But the Truscott Arms, uh, who are going to be at the Taste of London Winter, which is what we're going to be talking about this weekend for In Conversation, uh, is this one here. And uh, it's a grand old Victorian pub that was once spit and sawdust. And you know what they look like in London. You've probably got them around the country. And then they get all tarted up with farrow and ball colours. You can spot them a mile off. And um, the owner is Andrew Fishwick, a former theatrical producer. The beef is 35-day aged rump. The pork is free-range English rare breed loin, and there's lamb shoulder. All of the meat comes from Aubrey Allen, butcher to the Queen, and Heston Blumenthal. The head chef is Aidan McGee, used to work at uh, Michelin-starred restaurant in Kensington. And it's £18 for roast beef and Yorkshire pudding. They sampled all three roasts and each is brilliant. Everything arrives on one huge platter. Not only looks great, surrounded by towers of Yorkshire pudding and roast potatoes, but it means everybody can have a bit of everything. Sounds delicious. They say here, the only complaint is potatoes too large and not crispy enough. Nobody's ever done decent roast potatoes. No matter where you go, they can't do it. What they do is they shove them in the oven for a little while. Whereas, in fact, roast potatoes have got to be small and crispy. The big ones, I mean, you might as well just not bother. Might as well not bother. He says here, the pork is spot on, the beef is pink and juicy. The vegetable, I love celeriac, and it's served honey roasted alongside parsnips, carrots and green beans. And uh, we get home and my wife rushes to Facebook. Best Sunday roast you have ever or will ever eat. Yum, yum, yum. But you see, if it's not the, uh, not the roast potatoes... I've got a thing about roast potatoes. My mother used to do... Chris, you, could, you could break teeth on my mother's roast potatoes. They were absolutely delicious. She would cook them, and then she would take them out. So they'd be parboiled, take them out, dry them, and then they'd go in, and she'd be basting them and everything else. We had the best roast potatoes, so I've been spoiled. Now I've got one of those halogen ovens. You can do it because it's like putting potatoes under a grill, and you get really, really crispy roast potatoes. The amount of times I've been out and had a roast dinner with, with potatoes, that look as though they've just been blanched. They don't look very good at all. So uh, this one... Everything lovely except the roast potatoes. Too big. Too big. Make them smaller. But there's obviously some reason for that. There's obviously some reason for that. Uh, Richard says, I think you'll find that the Paddington Bear is from the early book before the TV Paddington. Well, I'm sorry. If it's been called Paddington, it's got to look as we imagine. It's like, you remember Sooty? When Sooty first came out, he wasn't called Sooty. His name was Teddy. And Teddy came out and uh, the TV company, I think it was the BBC, said he just looks like everybody's teddy bear. So they got some soot, and they rubbed it in his ears and over his nose to make, and they called him Sooty. 
And that's where, he, that's how he, he came to be. That's where he came to be. So, no, I'm sorry, I, I want, uh, I want Paddington to look as Paddington. You know, not the, <coughs> excuse me, not the early pictures where he looks slightly different. I want him to look like Paddington Bear. The one that looks like in all the shops, all the images of Paddington Bear. That's what I want. Uh, won't the teacher killer be sent to a young offenders institute because of his age when he killed? I've got no idea. I really don't know. Well, he obviously can't be sent to an adult prison. He's only 16. So he'll have to go to somewhere. I mean, whether or not it's Feltham Young Offenders, I don't know whether they take high-category prisoners like that. I don't know. Uh, Mandy says, I remember watching the great Wallender fall to his death in 1978. I was only 16. Yes, I mean, they, they once people do tightrope walking and the families do it, you know, they actually put their own equipment up. And the reason that tightrope walkers put their own equipment up is so that if anything goes wrong, they've got nobody to blame but themselves. It's got to be. And he was doing it so high up. So high up. I was sort of slightly disturbed. I forgot to tell you where this pub is. The Trusker Arms is in London W9. London W9. But they're going to be at the Taste of London Winter, which is in Tobacco Dock, starting, I think, November the 20th to the 23rd. It's Thursday through Sunday. Thursday through Sunday. Uh, Other stories written in the papers today. Uh, Linda Bellingham's coffin, carried in by her two sons. Very sad. Very, very sad. But they were all there. You know, Biggins wore a pink suit, as indeed he would. He said she'd laugh. She'd laugh. And uh, I agree, she probably would, actually. She would. They they did all sorts of things there to make people laugh or to make them cry. And what you do at funerals, you remember the person, you remember the good times, and you just wish it wasn't forever. It depends what you believe, doesn't it? It depends what you believe at the end of your life. If you believe that you're sitting on a cloud watching people and overseeing them, well, then that's fair enough. If you believe that's it. Or you might believe that you get reborn and you come back again. You know, we, d- we don't know. We don't know. I've never met anybody who's been the other side and then popped back in again. I had a few crazy people who've said, oh, yeah, you know, I died on the operating table and there were sort of bright lights and angels lifted me. Oh, Codswallop, absolute Codswallop. Here he is, today's, uh, today's bent crook, Peter Beddo. Peter Beddo is a bodybuilder and uh, he fiddled. He actually says he couldn't walk without a stick. I mean, he's a compulsive liar, isn't he, as well as being ugly. 28,000 quid he robbed off us. Luckily, we're sending him to prison for six months. He claimed mobility allowance. He won Mr Wales. You'd think, actually, he'd have a brain cell, wouldn't you? But quite clearly, he's as thick as a plank. I'm assuming the rest of the family must have known that he was, he was a benefit cheat as well. I mean, he made 1,500 visits to a gym from 2008 to 2013. That doesn't sound like somebody who can't walk, does it? Anyway, they had a number of anonymous tip-offs. Uh, that he was doing it. He took up bodybuilding uh, to increase the muscles around his spine after an accident, but he continued to claim long after recovering. So he's a, he's a bent crook. He comes from uh, Aberdare in South Wales. Two charges of making dishonest representations and another one of fraud. So off you go, love. I'm sure they're going to love you in prison, as indeed you appear to love yourself so much. Once a benefit fraudster, always a benefit fraudster. Uh, what else do we have in the paper today? Taylor Swift, a bit bored with Taylor Swift. And, uh, oh, there's another series of The Midwife coming out. I think this is series five, but as I never saw any of the other ones, I don't know. Oh, look, here she is, Frankie Bridge. That's Frankie Sanford, as was. Has, um, she's confessed she was terrified of giving birth to her baby boy, fearing that his arrival would bring her back, back her battle with depression. Do you know, honestly, everybody's got a blooming story, haven't they, nowadays? What do you got, depression? Okay, and so what is it? She's been in and out of rehab, and uh, now she's getting her life back on course. Lovely. Why don't you just shut up talking about everything? Or just get on with it. I don't think people cope with their lives, for goodness sake. You know, 
All these people who whinge on about everything, don't they? It's, it's the Chloe Maidley syndrome. Wine, 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 wine. 60-second interview in the Metro today is with Donna Eyre. I thought she used to be called Donna Airhead. Because now she's apparently speaking a little bit posher. And, uh, and they ask her about people's misconceptions. She started in Biker Grove. And now she's terribly, terribly posh. And apparently she's, uh, she's going out with James Middleton. I think they're well-suited, to be honest with you. And, uh, and then she's the one who's... Uh, somebody said that she's credited with asking the cause where they all met. That's why she got the nickname Donna Airhead. There was not much going on between the ears at all, I'm afraid. A bit like Bungalow Bill Wiggins. Remember the bloke who went out with Joan Collins? Bungalow Bill Wiggins, so named because there was nothing upstairs. It was all downstairs. Make of that what you will. 84850, steve at uk. Graham, could actually eat, eat uh, roast beef now? Oh, I could eat roast beef any time. Do you know what I could really do? I could get... I was going through the Marks and Spencer's. Uh, Christmas range the other day. They've got all sorts of Christmas stuff out now. You know, little tiny burgers, which, to be honest with you, I mean, they're just little tiny rolls. And you make little tiny... But you can make them yourself. Where you get the rolls that size from, I don't know. And they've got bits of... What did they have? Pulled pork, which is obviously going to be the thing that's going to be everywhere. I like to look at Waitrose's Christmas stuff. Because sometimes... Last year, Marks and Spencer's had mini chicken Kievs. <gasps> that was delicious. You eat a whole box of those. whole box of little mini chicken Kievs. <laughs> Oh, Pete says the best roast potatoes, the frozen Aunt Bessie's midweek roasties. Small and crispy and tasty. Oh, don't. Could eat roast potatoes now. I dip them in salad cream. Is that wrong? Probably on so many different levels, I should imagine. Um, Glenn says, I think you're fine. Paddington Bear was originally from Peru and was found at Paddington Station in London. Where do we say he was from? We always knew he, he, he was with his, his great aunt Lucy is in the home for retired bears in Lima. We know that, and he was found with a label round his neck, and he was taken in by the Browns. And Mr Gruber became his best friend. Did you know Mr Gruber was German? Oh, yes. We used to love them. My brother's still got the complete set of Paddington books. I love them. Love them. But we, but we like Paddington as he was. I've got one of the limited edition uh, prints from the television series. Actually, quite, I bought one for my brother as well. Quite nice. They were selling them in... Um, uh, where were they selling them? Selfridges, I think. Selfridges. The Cartoon Art Gallery were selling them as well. Uh, 84850, steve at uk, And uh, uh, Miriam says, How insular of you. The metro is available on various passenger transportation and many citizen towns up and down this green and promised land. It's pleasant land here. It's never been a promised land. God, nothing like an idiot to get it all completely wrong. News at five is coming up. It's LBC. The teen killer named and photographed on the front of all the papers. The big question is, should he have been jailed for life? He shows no remorse at all. To infinity for posterity. The clue should be in the word infinity. The EU migrants who could be banned from claiming benefits for up to three years when they get to this country. Uh, The bodybuilder, too bent to walk. Jail for his benefit, con. The woman's talk ban with her neighbours. She's been given an ASBO. Don't talk to any of your neighbours, otherwise you'll go to prison. More Apprentice Losers, the new test for EU nurses to prove they speak English. And a former Labour Transport Minister reports to the... Uh, has been reported to the police accused of using his mobile at the wheel. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen. 
on LBC. Morning, everybody. It's nice to have your company. It's LBC. It's Steve Allen. What a day yesterday was. What a day. What a day today. The papers bring you all on the front page the Grim Reaper in a school uniform. This is the psycho schoolboy Will Cornick who knifed teacher Anne Maguire to death. Sentenced to 20 years. They say life. He might never come out, but if he does, he could be out at the age of 36. He's quoted as saying, everything I've done is fine and dandy. He has no remorse whatsoever. I just wonder where you, where you send somebody like that to. Is he getting medical help? Will there be medical treatment? And was it right to name and shame on the front of all the, uh, the papers? Uh, a former Labour transport minister reported to the police, caught on his mobile. His office declined to comment. It's shameful, isn't it, really? And the scrap dealer jailed over thieving of grave plaques. He was buying them in. Uh, not the first time. Oh, and don't buy porridge in a pot. It's six times more expensive than buying porridge in a, in a packet or in a box. And I know it's convenient, and I know thousands, if not millions, of you do it every day, because I did it, because it's easy to buy a little pot. You pour some hot water in there. We have one of these taps upstairs in our kitchen, which dispenses hot water. So, in other words, you make your tea. You don't need to boil a kettle up. You just take it straight from the tap. It also dispenses ice-cold water, and it's brilliant. And so you bring in your, your porridge, and you stick it in there, and you put the hot water in, stir it, and that's it. And it's absolutely delicious. But it's six times more expensive to do it that way. And also, what's making a comeback in the food department? I was trying... <laughs> when I was talking the other day to our chef, who's going to be with me for this weekend, with Torval and Dean. Uh, it was very interesting. We would, I, said, um, I said, at one point, I said, I'm, I, he, he was talking about food that they're bringing back. And this is Michelle LaRue. And I remember saying to him, um, I like chicken Kiev. <laughs> I got such a withering look from him. And I said, is that wrong? Am I wrong to tell you that? He said, do you make it yourself? I said, no. <laughs> so, of course, he's a chef. He makes things. Me... I buy it. I wouldn't know where to begin. And he said, you just buy a chicken. I said, oh, what, like a raw chicken? And he said, yeah, and then you just sort of cut it and then you get the breast meat and then you... I said, but it's easier to, to go and just sort of buy it, isn't it? It's already ready-made. Although if you do it yourself, it doesn't come with all the breadcrumbs on it, I think. I, I bought some in a lovely butcher's a short while ago, very near, near Teddington. Very famous butchers down there. And, uh, and that, that was nice as well. There's something very pleasing about chicken and garlic butter. Can't quite put my mind on it or put my hand on it, but I, I do like it. Uh, more people want to watch women playing football than men. That comes as no surprise to me. I see that as being something that people would enjoy uh, doing. In fact, about another 5,000 bought tickets for the women's game than did for the men's game. And yet you look at how much money men get for playing football. You look at Wayne Rooney on his £325,000 a week. And you look at the, the, the women's captain on £770. I mean, it's poles apart. And I bet she's just as good. She's got 50 caps. He's got 99. So, not that far behind. Not that far behind. I didn't see a programme last night called Expose Magicians, Psychics and Frauds. I wished I had, actually. I don't see, actually, how you can expose a magician. I don't see, because he's already told you he's a magician. I don't quite understand how that would work, but I'm sure somebody will explain it to me. Uh, 84850. Uh, Jerome in Croydon wanted to pick up on the, uh, the story that's in a number of the papers today, that uh, over in Russia, they've taken down a statue of Steve Jobs. And the reason they've taken it down is because the new CEO of Apple is gay. He's openly gay. And I don't know if the, if the Russians think that if you have a, a statue up of somebody who is not gay, 
but the person who's taken over is gay, that's going to make you gay as well. Well, I'm here to warn everybody in Russia that if you, if you carry a phone, it makes your wrist go quite limp. OK, thought I'd mention that to you now. But the West European Financial Union uh, has accused Apple chief executive Tim Cook of promoting homosexuality. Fantastic, isn't it? Promoting it. Mind you, over in Russia, as I say, more limp-wristed Cossacks than you could shake a stick at, ladies and gentlemen. The company said in a statement after Tim Cook publicly called for sodomy, the monument was taken down to protect children from information promoting denial of a traditional family value. They're so backwards over there. You see, makes you wonder, really, how they ever became anything like a superpower. But there again, as I've said to you before, the images of Putin riding uh, shirtless on a horse couldn't be gayer if he'd been licking a lollipop and skipping through a field full of flowers. 84850, Steve at LBC.co.uk. That's quite an appealing uh, thing, actually. Um, another one here. Uh, this is, I was amazed to see uh, in today on, uh, on the television, two British from, from India showing their displeasure towards a Somalian British mother of four living on benefits, all born in the UK, and being... <coughs> <coughs> Excuse me, nourished by hard-working taxpayers. They love these programmes on the telly. They love them. It's, it's, where you sort of, it's where you pit people against other people. And it becomes like bear-baiting. We love them in this country. We love those sort of programmes. It's people arguing, you know, I have to work for a living. Why don't you work for a living? Well, because they stupidly give us benefits, so we don't need to work. That was White D, wasn't it? 20 years of managing. No mention of her depression. It's amazing how quickly that's vanished, isn't it? So that's good news, isn't it? I felt a bit better about it after that. Uh, the stars saying farewell to lovely Linda Bellingham. Her sons carried her coffin, and it was uh, laughter and tears all round as it would be. Uh, Cheryl Fernandez Vecini, Coco Pops, Spag Bowl, has apparently complained that somebody on the X Factor is a pain in the rear end. Oh, it's not a nice way to talk about yourself, Cheryl. Really not a nice way. Um, Andy Carroll, the football ace, was mocked yesterday for hiring an events firm to organise his marriage proposal. He's apparently proposed to uh, Mucky Billy. That's Mucky Billo, uh, used to be on TOWIE. She was dropped ages ago uh, due to lack of personality, I believe. But apparently, events sent him a message saying he had a bit of pleasure planning your proposal in Rome. Oh dear, he can't even manage that by himself. A football is becoming more dim. Is it just my imagination? And um, Steve uh, Bakshall has admitted he used to work in a kebab shop. Why do people tell you these? I mean, who cares? I used to deliver newspapers when I was a child. You know, I used to sell carpets. I used to sell soft furnishings. I used to sell curtain fabric. I used to work in a kebab shop. Riveting. Doesn't help because you've got no publicity through this programme at all, have you? In fact, to be honest with you, until I'd read that, I had no idea that you were still appearing on it. Uh, no bike, no helmet. Chris riding into a bike safety row. This is Chris Boardman. Slammed for biking without a helmet. Do they really make a difference, helmets? Do they really make a difference? I mean, you know, I know you see people cycling through London, some with them, the Go Faster Stripes, and the... A friend of mine has just started cycling, and he's buying a safety cam, a camera, to go on his helmet. He said, because twice in one day last week, cars cut him up. One, a taxi, which sort of cut him up, and he couldn't believe it. He said, and the driver just drove off. And then the other one was where another driver just cut right in front of him. He said, so I'm going to get a camera. And I've, I said, I've seen loads and loads of people using these cameras on their bicycles because it's safer. And in a court of law, you can use that as admissible evidence. I've often said as well, you know, get one in the car because you get lots of people who uh, stage these motorway pile-ups and all sorts of things and then try and claim whiplash. They're all, they're all crooks. 
But if you've got a camera, you can prove that somebody deliberately did it. That's what I always... In my car, they always think I've got cameras anyway, which, of course, I have. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Who's this? Oh, all the pictures of the uh, publicity shy Beckham family. Do you know, honestly, I'm, I, I, if I live to be 39, ladies and gentlemen, I couldn't care less whether I see any of the Beckham family ever again. Ever again. So now you've got little, little uh, Romeo, who's modelling at the age of 12... The trouble is, whichever way you look at it, you can't make Burberry look fashionable, can you? I don't care if they stick Cara Delevingne, Kate Moss and everybody else in. That abiding image of Burberry was always that uh, ex-Eastender actress, um, uh, Daniela Westbrook, with a Burberry outfit, a Burberry skirt, a Burberry baby walker. It was just ghastly. And so ever since then, they've tried to elevate it and make it fashionable. Well, because a 12-year-old boy puts on a Burberry scarf, it ain't going to encourage me at all. But I'm sure people love it, you know. But that's what it's, it's all about nowadays. It's publicity. And people like publicity, and the Beckham family are no strangers to publicity at all. In fact, they'd pimp out the entire family if they thought they were going to make money out of it. David will advertise anything. You literally go to his agent, Mr Fuller, and you go, uh, is David available? Yes, he's available. And uh, would he like to... Ab- yes, he'll do that. And once you've negotiated the fee, Davy Boy Beckham will drag everybody in the family if necessary. That's what they do now. So he advertises whiskey and Posh had to get in on the act as well. As if, as if seriously, you could ever have a discussion with old Davy Boy Beckham on the finer points of Scottish antiqued whiskey. I mean, I just, I just don't think he's capable of doing things like that. And that's me being kind. In the same way, you know, I'm beginning to wonder how many people listening to this programme have ever bought an item from Victoria Beckham. She's got handbags, apparently, priced at £18,000. Quite clearly, she's forgotten her common roots, which is a bit of a shame, isn't it? Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, a lot of people looking forward to the, the Paddington Bear film, and Daz says the numbers are up in women's football, maybe because when they actually do the shirt swapping at the end. Yes, I don't actually think they do that. I don't think they do that. Uh, Richard says there is a Paddington Bear statue from uh, from Heathrow to London. There's even a, a Beckham Bear called Golden Bear. Is there? How tacky. Uh, 84850, uk. Um, what else have we got here? Very quickly. Uh, he'll do ten, they reckon. Ten years. No, he's doing a minimum of twenty years. Twenty years. Uh, that's what they've said. He's serving a minimum of 20, and they might not let him out at all. It depends. I don't know what the rehab is for people at the age of 16 who commit murders. Uh, John Venables is out, you know, and he was convicted. I mean, if you realise what had happened to that little child, you'd be never letting him out ever again. Mary Bell, the child killer, is out, leaving a, you know, leading a very happy little life while the rest of the uh, family suffer in abject misery. Yesterday, Oyster Cards... Steve, going back to your comment yesterday about Oyster cards being used up north uh, in future, you're wondering if you could use yours up here. Uh, and somebody says, I thought by, uh, by your comments you always make about us up north, says there's only Twickenham in London in the UK, why would you want to? But we do have the best roasties. No, you haven't. No, you haven't. You can't win me over on roast potatoes up north. My mother made the best roast potatoes and I come a pretty close second. Only because I've got a halogen oven. But uh, in most of the pubs, they can't do roast potatoes. Small and crispy. That's the answer. 5.15. On LBC. Nick Ferrari and the team at seven this morning on LBC as Theresa May is forced to apologise that her inquiry into historical child abuse still has no chairman. Nick will be asking, should we just go ahead without a chair? 
Plus all the latest on the sentencing of a 16-year-old boy who stabbed his teacher to death. And how much do your children know about safe cycling? Nick will be putting kids to the test. Nick Ferrari and the team from Seven. After the morning news with Lisa Aziz, Yasmin Khan, the broadcaster and playwright, is looking at the papers this morning. Do you remember I said to you three days ago, a week ago, I said, can you believe that somebody in this day and age would actually thieve a poppy tin? We found three more. Three more thieves uh, pictured in the Daily Star today who thieved poppy tins. Uh, one of them is uh, in Solihull in the West Midlands. He calmly puts it under his jacket and walks out. Do you know, I would... Uh, words fail me, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, and then uh, another one. Oh, he actually sped off in a Ford Focus... Later that day, a man took a poppy tin at a chemist in the area. Thieves tried to take a tin from a garden centre in Hampton in Arden, but it was chained to the counter. Then one of the men cut a string attaching a poppy tin to the, to the counter at a store in Knoll and took it, but a member of the, starts, uh, of the staff snatched it back. This is meant for servicemen and women, and there's pictures of these people who, who thieve. And to be honest with you, I want them in prison as fast as possible, and I want them severely beaten up. I'm terribly sorry. I've decided, well, failing that, let's just put them in uniform and send them out into the, uh, into the workplace. It's absolutely disgusting. But when you look at the sort of people who are thieving it, you realise that they probably come from countries whereby what, you've actually got money in a tin sitting on a counter. Yes. Oh, right. And people who just pick it up. Yes. And that's what they'd have done. So these yobs have been caught on camera. They're clearly identifiable. Somebody will know who they are. And the sooner we get them into court, the happier I will be. I've always said it was the lowest of the low. Do you remember that couple of years ago? They were thieving flowers from the graves in a cemetery and reselling them in their florist. They were going in, dead of night, taking flowers off graves that had been left there for people's loved ones, taking them back to their shop, rewrapping them and selling them on again. I mean, you know... <laughs> Kind of lose the will to live, don't you? We shouldn't really be surprised at anything that happens in this country because it seems to... It just runs from one end to the other, doesn't it? If somebody can steal a poppy tin, if somebody can steal from the dead, if a 16-year-old can knife a teacher to dead and we go, well, hopefully a minimum of 20 years. Oh, and by the way, when he's in court, just so we don't intimidate him, the judge won't be wearing his wig. I'd be happier if the judge had put on the black cap on top of the wig and said you will be taken from here to a place of it. That would have made me feel a little bit better about life. But that's just gut reaction, isn't it? That's how you would react if it was a member of your family. I don't know how they've managed to remain so dignified. I really don't. It just uh, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Uh, little Julie says, can you please wish lovely Janet a very happy birthday? There you go. In this all this doom, gloom and despondency, there is a, there is a bit of brightness for Janet's birthday. So many happy returns of the day. And... Uh, uh, Linda Bellingham's funeral, says Noreen. So sad. The funeral was on the 10th anniversary of her and Michael meeting. And Janet, who, of course, has been to the magic show several times, a very happy birthday. It's the big one. What, 20? What is the big one? I don't even know what the big birthday is nowadays. What is the big birthday? <laughs> I don't know what that is. Big birthday. Twi- Somebody said the other day, do, do, do kids? when I was younger, we celebrated your, your big birthday at 21. Now I believe it's 18. 18 is, is the new... 21. Although it's a big birthday, would that be 60? Would, would 60 be a big birthday? I mean, I really don't know. Uh, 84850, Mike says, Cheryl doesn't sing live on The X Factor due to extensive dancing. She admitted years ago, after she performed live on air on The X Factor, then viewers complained because she wasn't singing live. She's a trained choreographer, makes her own moves when performing live and in videos. I said, we t- who are you talking about? What, Cheryl Cole? Knee Tweedy? Knee, knee Spagbol? The same, you're just a trained choreographer? Of course she's not. 
Definitely not. In fact, she's freely admitted she's had to pick up moves from other people. It's not a choreographer. She used Brian. Brian was her choreographer. She wanted to use her own, but uh, they went, no, you'll use Brian. And so that was it. She's certainly not trained in anything at all. Certainly not trained in anything at all. On the subject of uh, roasty potatoes, Iceland apparently do them, uh, and Stephen says they're very good. OK. It's not, they're not difficult to do roast potatoes. You just sort of cut and blanch them, and then, uh, and then just shove them in the oven about three years. That's how long it takes nowadays. Uh, if you want the best chicken ever, go to Aubrey Allen in Leamington Spa. That's where we stock up, say Angela and Bob, in Pratt's Bottom. Still no snow, incidentally. We'll let you know when. <laughs> Can't be that far. I'm, I'm reliably informed that this year there's going to be lots of snow around, which, of course, pleases me at the moment until I have to drive in it. And Aubrey Allen, is that the Queen's Butcher in Leamington Spa? This is where this, this roast beef comes from. I'm sure I've heard that name before this morning, because I'm sure I, I mentioned it. Uh, X Factor fans slamming the, uh, the strobe lighting when Cheryl... Spagbol, Vassini, Versace, Pork Pie, uh, Fernandez caused some bloke to have an epileptic fit, only because he turned on halfway through. So, in other words, he didn't get the warning at the beginning, and there were so many flashing... They always say that, don't they? When they have a, a news report, they say, warning, it contains flashing images. You'd have thought, actually, he'd seen flashing images and immediately turned away. If you sit there staring at it, mesmerised, of course something's going to happen. It just gets from bad to worse. Ali Ross, talking television today... And Lord Sugar, who fired the, uh, the hideous uh, Sarah, Mad Sarah, she was known as. And uh, granted, she did have a bit more of the desert orchid about her than red rum. But in terms of comedy material, she had her hooves in the Grand National Winner's Enclosure, surely. Well, apparently not. They got rid of her and they got rid of Stephen, a buffoon of the highest order. I mean, I didn't realise that these buffoons actually... When you listen to them spouting this rubbish... It's, it's absolutely hilarious. And Sarah, she had the word fraud stamped all over her, all the way through. I mean, people do, you know, say, oh, I've met somebody from the X Factor, uh, sorry, from the, from the Apprentice, and immediately you take a step backwards going, whoa, go away, go away, you are mad as a toothbrush. Uh, especially all the people in, and we do like Holly Willoughby, we don't have a problem with Holly Willoughby, but surprise, surprise has run its course, I'm afraid. It was brilliant years ago when it was done by Scylla Black. It's now, it's too predictable. It's cheesy, it's schmaltzy, it's just not very good. And uh, October's, no kidding, Sherlock Award goes to Eamon Holmes, revealing, I don't eat food after it's used by date. Any more than Yellowstone Park's grizzlies clench their buttocks until the next sanitary cabin arrives. <coughs> Poor old Eamon Holmes. <laughs> Every day in the paper there's always something referring to his weight. You know, and how big he's getting. I mean, I hardly ever mention it, as you know. It's not my kind of thing at all. I prefer to leave him to wallow. Uh, great sporting achievements. Paolo Di Canio. Every game for West Ham, I give everything. Sometimes even more. Quite a good one, isn't it? I quite like that line. That's a good one. And Stuart Pearce. Mick McCarthy's cut from granite. I'm cut from a different cloth. Not the brightest. <laughs> Sorry. And uh, <coughs> Halloween-themed TV specials. Always guaranteed to sort of a damper on just about everything. And um, uh, none of them are ever funny, scary or remotely entertaining. I know this, says Ali Ross, having sat through six of the damn things, plus another punishing instalment of educating Joey Essex, Ream Halloween. I mean, really, there, it, it is just the worst ever. The worst ever. I mean, this buffoon that ITV decided to sign up. Nobody's watching it. Nobody's remotely interesting, uh, interested in this idiot who's just been thrown out of a club in New York because he was drunk, Los Angeles, paid 1,500 quid for a table to be there and then got progressively worse and worse. And unfortunately, over there, they don't tolerate that kind of thing. Over here, you know, you could fall apart. 
you know, it, anywhere, really. And they wouldn't care less. They'd just have a picture of you on the pavement. Over in Los Angeles, drunk, you're out. A very, very, uh, very, very embarrassing kind of situation. Julie Peasgood, lovely Julie Peasgood, uh, she's got a, a new uh, programme. And uh, this is for their Good Turn Productions. Because, you know, I've got no end of friends who've, who've got programmes that are coming up. And uh, she's on TLC every morning this week from 9 until 10. That's two episodes back-to-back, incidentally. And what they do is, it's a crafty show. You know crafting? Yes. Crafting, crafting. Actually, I saw them the other day on Alan Titchmarsh's show. Julie Peasgood does not age. It's seriously not fair. And we've gone all Christmassy. <laughs> She'll be laughing at that now. That was a standard thing every time she came in because she does the voiceovers. I can always spot a Julie Peasgood voiceover. Anyway, they've got um, uh, it's their first venture for their production company with uh, with Wendy Turner Webster, and uh, they've got a craftybeggars.tv website. Crafty beggars, because I know, judging by the amount of programmes on the television, and this morning does it. Uh, all of the shopping channels do it. Living. Is it Living World? I keep forgetting which one it is, actually. Is it Living World? They've got crafting, where they, people make things, like make cards, or they take ordinary items that you and I would throw away, and they make something interesting out of them. And I know, for a fact, that thousands upon thousands of LBC listeners do crafting. So, uh, so there you go. So you could check out their, uh, their website, craftybeggars.tv. And you can find out what they do, and you know her. Because this year we've gone all Christmassy. <laughs> Every time I just say it. She was the one that we... I'm sure we got tiddled one day on Sprout Vodka. We gave her some Sprout Vodka. Well, that's nice. <laughs> she took the bottle. <laughs> so good luck today. You're up early, aren't you? I like the idea that people are up nice and early. Because uh, it doesn't matter where you are in the country, it's still going to be LBC News time, and it's still going to be 530 Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Uh, I think OXO says Sai should reshow their adverts with Linda Bellingham in time for Christmas and all the uh, the advertising costs going to cancer research, which would be a nice tribute. Yes, all the papers are full of her funeral from yesterday, which was a, a day of uh, laughter, a day of tears, a day of sadness, a day of remembering, a day for all the people that knew her. And, in fact, I was talking... To, uh, to my friend Joe the other day, who I went out for breakfast with. He used to work at LBC. And he said, the last interview I did with you was with Linda Bellingham. We recorded her for In Conversation, he said, and she was lovely. I said, I'd forgotten who recorded the interview, but uh, having been reminded, uh, I then said, yes, she was absolutely lovely, absolutely charming. What you said, and she loved a good gossip. She loved a good gossip. Mind you, I've had a number of people like that. We start recording the In Conversations, and they'll say something to me, and I'll go, let me tell you a true story. Or they tell me a true story. Such is the advantage of, uh, of mixing with celebrities. So was Risque Cheryl miming on The X Factor, a spokesman for Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Versandes, Versace, Fiddly D, Fiddly D, uh, says she was singing live. Sounded a little bit electronic to me. A little bit electronic. But somebody did say, it always amazes me when people complain about Cheryl miming. If you heard her sing live, you'd wish she was miming. Yes, because she's got a weak voice. There was never much to her. She's not. The trouble is, she learns a dance routine, like steps learn to dance routine. That's what it's there for. She's selling a record. She's not a pop star. 
She'll, she's, she'll sort of turn her hand to most things, and she needs to. So they stick her on in a sort of a slightly risque outfit. A little bit risque for children to be watching, too. But there again, why would they care? It's Simon Cowell's programming. Do what he wants with it. And so they stick her on there to give her a bit of free publicity. Because without that, the record would just sink without trace. But you've got a captive audience. It'd be better to stick her on Strictly Come Dancing, but they wouldn't want her on there. Far too tacky for them. And so she does this little uh, pre-rehearsed dance... And she either sings live or she sort of semi-mimes or she sings along to herself. It doesn't really matter either way. Most people writing on Twitter seem to think she was miming. I don't think it makes any difference. Watch any of the old Top of the Pops programmes. 90% of people were miming. Why? Because they can't deliver live. They can't deliver live. You wait till you go to see The X Factor live on tour, which I'm sure you will do. There'll be lots of them singing along to what they call click track. They weren't actually singing live because they can't do it. If they were any good, they'd be in West End shows, but they're not in West End shows. Weather today, sunny spells and showers. Heavy and thundery in places. I don't mind that. I don't mind that. That's OK. I discovered actually yesterday that my jacket, which I bought the other day, which is quite nice, makes me look a little bit, you know, Nick Ferrari, uh, is actually waterproof, which I wasn't sure it was when I bought it, but I was quite pleased with it. Uh, the high today, 11 degrees centigrade. That's exactly what it was yesterday, and it was a little bit chilly. Further heavy showers getting into Hampshire later. Most other parts should be dry with sunny spells, so enjoy. Tonight, the far south and southeast. Further heavy and possibly thunderous showers overnight. Dry elsewhere with clear spells, and wait for this. A touch of ground frost by the morning. I did warn. I did say a short while ago, I think it was yesterday or the day before, I said, be careful. Because the uh, the frost is on the way. Well, that's what I love. I do love se- I love it when the road shimmers in the morning. I really do. I'm very old-fashioned. I like that. I like the, the amount of leaves that are everywhere. Good grief. They're dropping all over the place. And then I love it when they get a bit frosty in the morning and they crunch under your feet. No, just me again. Uh, Richard Branson and his family will be Virgin's first space tourist, despite the firm's fatal accident. I believe that one of the uh, the royal family is pulled out... Already, she said that she's not going there. Obviously, far too frightened to go up in these things. But there is the danger that accidents can happen. Even NASA have had accidents. So what they're saying is that what went wrong here is that the system deployed early. And they have to make sure that this doesn't happen. Now, you know, with everything like this, to push the boundaries further and further and further. And his spacecraft will go 62 miles <coughs> excuse me, above the Earth. 62 miles, and it will only cost you 156,000. Um, they have 700 customers. Uh, the craft was insured for about 25 million to 31 million. So they'll just uh, put it put it back together again, they'll make another one, and they'll try again, and by trial and error, eventually you get to that stage where you don't even think about it, do you now? You get on an aircraft at Heathrow or Gatwick or Stansted or Luton or Manchester or wherever it happens to be, and you don't think about the safety. You just go, it's an aircraft, it takes off all the time. And very shortly, you'll probably be thinking about the same as, as this one, the Virgin spaceship. You'll just be getting on, but if you've got 156,000, admittedly, you'll be having to save up for it. But, uh, you know, if 700 people have saved up already and have uh, put themselves forward, then um, why not? Would you not want to go above the earth? I should imagine it must be, uh, <coughs> excuse me, absolutely amazing. Absolutely amazing to see. Safe? I don't know. But then if you're worried about that kind of thing all the time, it would be, uh, it would be a, a dreadful situation, wouldn't it? So you can't worry about it. Another one here. <coughs> excuse me, I do beg your pardon. It sort of crept back in again, this, uh, this cough. It was doing all right before. Um, <clears throat> Helen in Basingstoke uh, says, I like David. 
she likes David a lot, especially when he's doing adverts for pants. Lynn in Bushy says the trick to crispy roast potatoes uh, is to parboil for a few minutes, drain thoroughly, shake up in a saucepan to break up the outer edges, and then just roast. I saw Cheryl... The miming was funny. They're claiming she sang live, Teresa. They're claiming she sang live. However, their, defini- their, their definition of singing live is, I don't know, she might have been singing live to herself. If you get my, uh, <coughs> get my meaning. In other words, she's recorded and then she sings along with it. So in other words, you get almost something that sounds like a, like a double tracking. Diana in Richmond says, I mentioned Julie Peasgood and so Christmassy only yesterday whilst chatting with a friend. He, Wally, is a long-time Richmond resident, as is Julie, known to many and also a long-time listener and great fan of our programme. Oh, my programme, sorry. It was our programme all of a sudden. I changed it. Yes, she, she, she pops up all over the place, this young Julie Peasgood. She really does. <coughs> Another one here says, what's the difference between Jay Goody saying Shilpa Popperdom and Steve Allen doing the same with Cheryl's surname? What, Cheryl Spagbol? Uh, that's not racist. Uh, Jade Goody was being racist. She was a racist, together with Joe O'Meara and the other girl, as in Shilpa Popperdom. That's racist. Perhaps you don't understand that. Just what I explained it to you. You know, it's always nice to explain things and then put it... So you know, so you're well, well informed. Uh, again, Diana says, the poppy tin at my local Tesco Express in Kew Road was stolen last year. Chained to the counter... But they, a young couple, arrived at the shop armed with metal cutters. Wow. 84850, steve at I think, actually, it should be law, says Gary, to make all bikers wear high-vis vests. Because I do. Yes, I mean, I absolutely agree. I think everybody should be wearing Nick Ferrari will be talking about this this morning. To try and get kids wearing them when they go to school in the morning. On these dark mornings, and it is dark out there, you need to be able to see somebody. And a high-vis jacket is the way forward. I mean, I've, 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 you know, I've seen a number of people who are obviously a bit thick riding bicycles, not only in dark clothing, but also in, uh, with, with no lights on their bike. You know, I think the police should literally take them off the road. You, go, you stand there. You could stand here, just down here, just by the Garrick Theatre, every morning, which they have done before, and they find them for cycling, jumping lights. I'd actually have a lorry there. I go, uh, you've got no lights, right, we're taking your bike away. OK, goodbye. Off you go. Chup, chup, chup. And send them on their way. That's what should happen. That's what should happen. Uh, Cheryl's singing voice doesn't even sound bearable with auto-tune, Steve. Oh, dear. Really? It's a bit unkind. The trouble is, she thinks she's a pop star. I think secretly, in the back of her, back of her tiny mind, she thinks she's somebody like Madonna. And she thinks she's able to do those sort of things, whereas, of course, she isn't. She doesn't have that sort of talent at all. She just rehearses for a week to do one dance number. You know, if she had to do a whole concert, it would be looking a little bit tired by the end of it. Former, <coughs> excuse me, Labour Transport Minister reported to police after he was accused of using his mobile phone whilst driving towards Parliament. The party's justice spokesman, Sadi Khan, an award-winning road safety campaigner, allegedly looked down at his phone while at the wheel. Oh, goodness, only we've all done that, haven't we? Looking down at your phone, it rings, and you go, I wonder who that is. We all do that. Anyway, a picture sent to the police appeared to show the 44-year-old MP for Tooting, expected to seek nominations as Labour's London mayoral candidate, with his phone in his hand as he drove a grey Volkswagen car yesterday morning. Oh, dear. Mr Khan did not respond to a request to comment. Well, you should do, Mr Khan. You should do. You know, I don't like people who sort of hide away behind, you know, um, being a former minister or being this or that or standing as a mayoral candidate. Uh, You know, why not front it up? 
come out there. Were you using your phone? Either you were or you weren't. If they've got a photograph, then presumably that shows you looking at your phone. But, I mean, you could have been looking at a lipstick holder. I don't know. Got no idea. Packet of sweets. Could be anything. But there's no point in sort of, you know, did not respond to a, re- uh, a request to comment. What is that? Beca- See, that, to me, makes you sound guilty. Whereas if you come out and go, no, A, it wasn't me. I don't drive a grey Vauxhall or, you know, this and that. Just come out and say it. But by not saying anything, they're going to jump on your back from a great height. Quentin Letts, talking of jumping on your back from a great height, says he can't embrace the creepy new trend for male cuddling. I've never seen this before. Male cuddling, ladies and gentlemen. Apparently it goes on a lot. Boris Johnson has done it with David Cameron. And uh, people don't... We, we haven't... We, we don't do it round here. You know, we don't do male cuddling. In fact, to be honest with you, I think you'd be so fast into HR if you started doing male cuddling. But if it's OK for Boris Johnson, is that the same as sort of air kissing? You know, when you sort of do a bromance kind of thing, you know, that kind of stuff. I'm sure if I did it in my boss, he'd probably collapse in front of me. I can't... I don't think we've ever done any sort of, you know, hugging. But it's the new thing. It's the new trend. It's out there, and people are actually doing it. As I say, I think it's only certain people who are doing it. I don't think we've actually done it as yet. I might try it with the producer after the programme. Just to see how many bruises I can go home with. Quarter to six. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. There's a, a great piece in the paper today by Ross Clark, political commentator, saying there can be no excuse for an attack on a poppy seller. This is after the 15-year-old boy in Manchester, some drunk, sauntered up to him while he was standing at a bus stop in his combats, uh, selling poppies, and literally set fire to a, a canister of gas and sprayed it at him. And he got only mild burns and it singed his hair. But, of course, he was traumatised beyond belief. And uh, having read you the stories about the the people who thieve poppy tins, and we know what they're there for. Thousands and thousands, millions of you, have been to see the poppies at the Tower of London. And I think it's about time the courts came down really heavily. None of this suspended sentence malarkey. I think you go to prison. I think we have to build another prison, if necessary, another few prisons. Because quite clearly, the courts are absolutely chock-a-block to overflowing. When I did my jury service at Isleworth Crown Court, there were 13 courts in operation, each one busy every day of the week. Case after case after case after case. Most of the names you couldn't even pronounce of the people in there. But it was all sorts of things, everything from drugs to, to, uh, to smuggling to... What was the other... Th- oh, we had everything. We had just about everything. I've never seen such a hotchpotch of cases, mostly involving some sort of fraud and, uh, and people thieving. We had somebody who was working at an airport who was thieving laptops. And how was he thieving laptops? He was in charge of the car parks and he was thieving them because when people come back from a plane, they go to the car park to put their ticket in the machine, but they leave their trolley sitting to one side and they hang their laptops at the back. He was just walking past, picking them up. He was only caught because he was taking the company van off-site at this particular airport, and he got caught. And uh, we never know. If you're on a jury, you never know what the sentencing is. You just know that you find somebody guilty. In fact, I think in all the cases that I did, I think they were all guilty. One of them, we didn't even need to get as far as that because they pleaded guilty, obviously to save the cost of the, uh, of the, of the court. But it was phenomenal. Absolutely phenomenal how much crime was going on. So when you see these people who thieve poppy tins, the people who attack a small boy who is selling poppies because he believes it's a very, very good cause, and the millions of you who go to the Tower of London to look at the poppies and the money raised goes to charity. The moment somebody thieves, I'm sorry, we come down very tough. I think we're far too soft, far too soft on people. There's a story in the paper today about uh, the gender 
pay gap. Now, we discussed this a few weeks ago on LBC. Uh, female full, full-time workers earn, on average, 28,000. Men, 33,000. Now, I don't know how that works. I thought it... Or I think in this business, I think in media, I think women earn the same as men. I don't think there's any different... Well, I hope there's not, anyway. As far as I know, people are, That's what that pays for this particular job. Different for, for presenters... You know, some presenters would earn more than other presenters, and other presenters earn less than other presenters, but that's the way it always is. <coughs> but now they say that many women earn just three-quarters of men's wages. And I don't know how far back this goes. I'm not, uh, <coughs> I'm not too sure why uh, that would be the case. Francesca says our bedtime story last night was <coughs> Paddington Bear. And here you are talking about it. Yes, because the film comes out very shortly. There's also, of course, Broadmoor, that uh, programme which is going to take you behind the scenes of people who are going to spend the rest of their lives in prison, looked after, <coughs> excuse me, looked after by a, a whole host of, of medicines and things like that, and they never come off the medicine. They can't afford to come off it. So they leave them in there. First time in years that the cameras have been allowed behind. There'll be certain things you'll see on the programme and certain things you will not be allowed to see. But uh, all in all, it's still going to be a very, very interesting programme. Very, very interesting. I'm also probably going to go to the Graceland in Greenwich. It's going to be at the O2. And this is uh, an Elvis collection. 300 items. 300 items will be over here, including his taking care of business ring. Uh, I think they've got his uh, car, the Red MG, from Blue Hawaii. Uh, (coughs) Excuse me, plus... They've also got um, a telephone uh, and behind-the-scenes pictures at Graceland, pictures which you will not have seen before. There's going to be a visual tour of Graceland. Um, It's very, very interesting, because I'm as fascinated by Elvis today as I was years ago. And uh, never been to Graceland, never done anything like that, but would be fascinated to see. They never throw anything away. (coughs) They even have his wallet with a picture of Lisa Marie in it. They, they, they didn't throw anything. I mean, whether or not... <coughs> or not, excuse me. That was because he actually became famous. I don't know. Do you know if all the cranes will be having a best-dressed Christmas lights competition, says Amanda in Greenwich? I hope so. They seem to do it most years, don't they? And uh, Jonty says, I give the odd male hug, but I always say beforehand that uh, this is what I do, and it's normally after a few beers. I think hugging is okay, don't you? I think hugging is all right. I think you can just about get away with hugging nowadays. That's what people do. Shaking hands seems a bit naff and a little bit passé. Lynn says, you're quite right about cyclists. They should all have high-vis tops on. After all, how else will we know which way to jump as they whiz along the pavements? Yes, I mean, I I agree with you. I think, to be honest with you, it's a brilliant campaign. Everybody should be... It should be law. It should absolutely be law that they should make sure that every single person, certainly a child, should be wearing a high-vis vest and they should have batteries in their lights and they should have lights on their bicycle. But you and I know, through bitter experience, that many people cycle on the roads with no lights on at all. Uh, uh, Somebody says, most acts on Top of the Pops mimed because they were told by the BBC they didn't want the acts to perform live. Well, no, it wasn't that at all. If you remember in the early days of Top of the Pops, they used to put the record on, so we knew they were miming. And on the odd occasion that the poor old Top of the Pops orchestra was employed, it was part of the Musicians' Union. So many had to be doing live and so many didn't because the MU had an agreement. It was nothing at all to do with the BBC. They had no say in it whatsoever. It came under the Musicians' Union. So they brought in the Top of the Pops orchestra, who was this bunch of creaky old men who were trying to play pop hits. It was ghastly. 
It was absolutely ghastly. But I can remember seeing presenters standing there going, you know, and here's so-and-so, so-and-so, and putting the needle on the record and then cutting to the actual artist. And most record companies didn't want their artists to perform live. I think the worst one was... I can't remember which one it was now. There was one which was a huge hit in the charts. The moment they appeared on Top of the Pop singing live, it dropped like the proverbial stone. Because most uh, people... I've told you before that Pete Waterman said to me on LBC he would never, ever want Steps to sing live. He said, why would I spend hours and hours in a studio crafting a record for them to go on television and ruin it? So all they had to do was learn a little dance routine. Once you've learned a little dance routine, then you go out there and you mime it. It's a lot easier. He said, I'm not having them ruining a song that I've spent a lot of money on. Uh, somebody says, uh, look up bicarbonate of soda for your cough. Actually, I've got some cough mixture. I'm going to take, uh, take a little swig in a moment. And Claire says, my daughter-in-law had a baby girl last night, my first grandchild. I'm thrilled. There you go, just in time for Christmas. Another blasted present to buy. I was talking to somebody the other day, and they're buying a big present for their children for Christmas, but it's going to be a joint present. And so, and they said, oh, I didn't know how much this particular... I, I, don't, I don't want to say what it is. In case, you know, they might be listening. And, uh, and I said, we can't just buy one, one present. And they said, oh, yeah. I said, no, kids have to, have to have a lot of presents for Christmas. They said, well, I have stockings. Because, that, you know, when I was younger, for Christmas, and it is only around the corner, it's, it's going to be here like that. Before you know where we are, I'll be sitting here singing Deck the Halls with Boughs of Holly and have you shoved the turkey in the oven. Not much use for vegetarians, I realise, but I am here Christmas morning between 7 and 10. And I'm here Sunday as well. And Michelle LaRue will be our guest, together with Torville and Dean, who are off on tour, and they've got a, a book out as well. Super couple, really super couple. We had a very nice chat, uh, Jane and, and me, and the man himself, Mr Dean. So uh, that'll be this coming Sunday in LBC, and I'm here Christmas Day and Boxing Day and New Year's Day. So I'm praying secretly that we have snow, but not on the days that I'm having to drive to go and see family. So I said that, you know, when I was younger, we used to have a main present, but then you had little presents. But this person I was talking to yesterday said, well, no, I don't think so. We're spending a lot of money on this, this joint present, which will be for, for both of them. And I went, oh, I would be mortally disappointed coming down Christmas morning if there was only the one present under the tree. Because <laughs> my godchildren get spoilt rotten. I mean, they literally <laughs> could set up a small shop. A small shop. <clears throat> Where's your cough mixture, says Diana. Should be beside you with a drink. Do you know, I tell you what I forgot to bring in this morning. I forgot to bring in a water, which we managed to get now. And, uh, and I normally find a very, very big mug, so I can have a big mug of coffee. And I normally produce my cough mixture. And this morning I forgot all three. So I wasn't, wasn't particularly brilliant today, I'm afraid. It's after yesterday's strange, strange day with this friend of mine, as you know, who is, uh, who is linked... I won't tell you how, but he's linked to David Cameron. And um, that's all I, I don't want to tell you too much about him. But anyway, he's got motor neurons disease at the age of 28. And it's a wasting disease. We don't know anything about it. And I came away thinking, whatever illness I've got, whatever cough I've got, or, you know, however bad the diabetes gets or anything like that, um, it's a case of it's nothing compared to what he's going through at the moment. Uh, on the subject of the uh, the Virgin spaceship, <clears throat> uh, a lot of people, if they had the money, <clears throat> they they would go for it. <clears throat> they they would absolutely be going out there to um, to spend one hundred and fifty six thousand pounds. So there you go, little Julie. Thank you very much indeed. Thank you for that. And uh, another one from Jan, who says uh, we went to the Rockefeller Centre at the weekend. Went Thursday and Monday. 
Lovely. So, so glad you've been totally enchanted by the poppies at the tower. Absolutely. Absolutely. That's a nice picture, isn't it? Jan in South Norfolk. And uh, Janet, very, very happy birthday today. And good luck to my brother in Lord John, who's having an operation at St Mark's Hospital today. Oh, dear, I'm surrounded by ill people, and I include myself. But I'm getting better, I promise you. The teen killer on the front of the uh, papers this morning, named and photographed. But he was named on the internet some time ago, so should the papers be carrying it? The EU migrants who could be banned from claiming benefits for up to three years. Uh, The father jailed for the £78,000 worth of fraud to pay school fees. I like the idea that a woman has got an ASBO. You are not allowed to talk to your neighbours. If you do, you're going to prison. It's as simple as that. Uh, The jury definitely out on Cheryl's miming. 20 years on, Pink Floyd top the charts. And if you're short, there's a greater risk of getting dementia. And are you too middle class to adopt a dog? And the scrap dealer jailed over the uh, grave plaques that he was cutting up. It's LBC. I'm Steve Allen. That and more is next. This is LBC, leading Britain's conversation with Steve Allen. Tweet at LBC. Text 84850. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Tuesday morning in London town. It's LBC. Coming to you live. Uh, The teen killer named and uh, photographed on the front of all the papers this morning. 20 years minimum in prison. They've said it's life. They said he might never be released. He might die in prison. Uh, Fans getting a rare chance to share Elvis's Graceland as a new exhibition tours over here, running, I think, from November all the way through till August of next year. The final show for Linda Bellingham. The stars were out in force. The tightrope walker with no safety net, 500-plus feet up in the air. 20 years on, Pink Floyd topped the charts. But if you're short, there's a greater risk of dementia. All of that and your texts and emails between now and 6.30 this morning. And the front pages, so we'll let you know exactly what the stories are. Uh, and what's uh, what's going on? It is it is the main story on the front page. I think of just about every single paper today, which is the boy of fifteen who stabbed the teacher to death in the classroom. He posted repeated Facebook threats. This had been planned. We are told for three years. He sat in court the other day in a in a suit, and uh, because of his youth, the uh, the judge and prosecution and defence decided not to wear their gowns and wigs. Can't imagine why. I would think the uh, the more serious you can make it, the better. He showed no remorse whatsoever, nothing at all, and so that's why the headline on the mail is "Why was Killer even in school?" People knew he had the knives. He told people when he went in there. He had a bottle of Jack Daniels as well. I mean, in one Facebook message, he told a friend the teacher deserved more than death, more than pain. Uh, repeatedly told classmates about his desire to kill the 61-year-old. And two months before the killing, he said Mrs. Mrs. Maguire must die because she'd banned him from a bowling trip. One parent claimed Cornick had a list of teachers and pupils and other people he wanted to pay back on. Even when he showed off his knife in class on the morning of the killing, saying what he planned to do, nobody acted. Nobody did anything. But there again, you don't think it's serious, do you? You just think he's deluded. Unfortunately, he wasn't. He planned to murder two other teachers, one of whom was pregnant. And after he'd killed this particular teacher, Anne McGuire, he just calmly went and sat down at his desk. And uh, he winked. He said it was fine and dandy. She deserved to die. And you think to yourself, I don't know what the... You know, sending him to prison's not really a punishment, is it? He couldn't care less. 
Why would he bother about it? We've seen people before. I don't know whether or not you, you keep him sedated or you get some sort of medical help for him because he's quite clearly either delusional or he's got some mental illness or he's got some, perhaps he's got split personality. I've got no idea. I just think that when you say to somebody who has committed such a heinous crime as that, you will spend, you know, minimum of 20 years in prison. I think in this case it has to be life. And, and life means you die in prison, which means he's institutionalised. What's the point of keeping him all that time? Surely just a lethal injection would solve the problem. We don't need to worry about it. But he's 16. So you can't do anything, can you? But uh, as he knifed her, he just winked at the, at the classroom. I mean, people screamed, as you can well imagine. They probably thought it was some sort of joke. But unfortunately, it, uh, it wasn't. She staggered out of the classroom. He ran down the corridor after her. I mean, just absolutely horrendous. So it's the front page of the, the Mail today. They're also running with a, a, an old story. It's the scandal that rocked the royals. This is the free historical edition inside of Charles rocked by the Camilla tape shock and the, all the things that went on and the, the, the things that were happening at the time whilst Charles was having the affair with Camilla Parker Bowles while at the same time he was uh, getting married to Diana. And people were saying, maybe not, maybe not. Uh, there's also revealed in the paper today your favourite lines from the movies. It's what they call a filler it's the best one to do. And uh, here is... You'll never guess this one. I wouldn't have known this one at all. The line is, we want the finest wines available to humanity. We want them here and we want them now. Would you know what that came from? OK, a couple of you. That's uh, With Nail, Richard E. Grant. Another one here. Well, nobody's perfect. I can tell you it's the end line of a movie. Got it? Some like it hot. Joe E. Brown. It's where they're sitting in a boat. And he says, oh, by the way, I better tell you I'm a man. And he says, well, nobody's perfect. Uh, Here's one from 1982. All those moments will be lost in time like tears in rain. Roy Batty. Rutger Hauer in Blade Runner. In for me. In for me. They've all got it in for me. Yes. Kenneth Williams as Julius Caesar. More unlikely Julius Caesar. In Carry On uh, Clear. Carry on clear. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. It's possibly the one that should have been number one. And that was Clark Gable in Gone with the Wind. He's not the Messiah. He's a very naughty boy. Remember that one? That's from uh, Terry Jones playing the mother of Brian in Monty Python's The Life of Brian. Say hello to my little friend. Would you know that one? You don't? Oh, you know that. Scarface. Oh, well done. Tony Montana, Al Pacino. You're only supposed to blow the bloody doors off, is very famous. And, of course, it's the fabulous Michael Caine as Charlie Croker. But the, uh, the, the first one, To Infinity and Beyond. Yes, it was uh, Tim Allen voicing Buzz Lightyear in Toy Story. Apparently is the favourite line from the movie. If you got most of those right, well done. You're obviously an aficionado. Front page of the Metro this morning. Uh, the teen killer winked as he knifed his teacher. Uh, which, as I say, is the front page of every single paper. And uh, one of David Beckham's children has started modelling for Burberry for a Christmas campaign, so they've sort of done him up, and it's all very exciting. But again, it's the, the Beckhams, and that's what they do best. An X Factor fan on the front page of The Sun this morning who had an epileptic fit because they had so many light bulbs on her set. took 20 minutes to dismantle her set, we know, because we had people there watching it. And uh, he, of course, didn't turn on at the beginning... How unlucky, because he didn't see the warning that there were flashing lights, and so he had an epileptic fit. 20 years for the teen who said killing teacher was fine and dandy. Uh, the Daily Express, Elvis Presley, Graceland is coming to Britain. 
a fan, a fan's delight, I would think. People will go there to actually see items owned by the king and to actually get up close to them, I think, will probably be the treat of the century. Linda Bellingham, tears, smiles and fireworks at her funeral farewell. And they turned out for her yesterday, which was lovely. Uh, the EU migrant story is where we got... Uh, that's one from front page of the Express today. And they're saying here that ministers have been told that EU migrants must be banned from claiming benefits for up to three years. That would kind of maybe stop people coming here, stop getting a little bit uh, overloaded. Daily Star today, Star staying farewell to TV's Linda. Uh, Cheryl's Fury, because she's got quite a temper on her and she's described somebody on the programme as a pain in the rear end. Uh, the Psycho, getting life for murdering Miss the Grim Reaper in a school uniform. Same story. That's the same story on the front of the mirror today. And also goodbye to our beautiful Linda. Her son's carrying her coffin. The model pupil who killed his teacher. Uh, Cornick boasted he was happy and proud after the horror classroom attack. Couldn't quite make it up, could you, really? Uh, minister quits and blames Therese May. This is the Home Office Minister. And um, that runs on the front of the eye today. Uh, front page of The Independent, Norman Baker, I resign, and it's all Theresa May's fault. He's driven a stake through the coalition with a brutal attack on the Home Secretary in his resignation letter. Uh, the unrepentant classroom killer is the other headline on The Independent. The named and unashamed, the boy who fatally stabbed Anne Maguire. But he becomes famous now, doesn't he? He becomes famous. Simon Calder is talking about space tourism, which will be amazing and normal, which is exactly what I said a short while ago, that you don't think anything about going to the airport and getting on an aeroplane. And uh, probably in years to come, whether or not it's in my lifetime, I don't know. You'll be going down and you'll be getting on Virgin... And it'll become like a, like a spoof. You'll go up 62 miles out of the Earth's atmosphere, and then you can look back down on it again, and I think it will be quite something. Simon Calder uh, getting very excited about it. Uh, the Times. Virtual ID for everybody, a privacy fear, they say, over the vast expansion of government online services. And they say here, every Briton is to be offered a government-backed virtual ID to store personal data online, file tax returns, apply from driving licence through a single portal. Within a year, more than half a million people are expected to start using the new Verify scheme to prove their identity. Well, we do most things online, don't we? I pay tax online, VAT online, everything. I did wonder when it started going, they said, oh, by the way, the VAT wrote and said, uh, we're actually going paperless. And I started thinking, oh, my God, how do I cope with this? I'm only used to seeing a piece of paper which tells me, uh, you know, how much I have to pay. Now you've got to work it out online and tick the right boxes and hope you've done it right. Because if it doesn't, you have to go back to the beginning and start all over again. But at least they're very helpful in Welsh Wales. Front page of The Telegraph, the spy chief Facebook is helping terrorists. That's what they say now. No remorse as the boy who killed the teacher in class faces life in jail. Does he become a hero now in jail? I do hope not. And also the uh, the collar. Walkies that tracks your pet's exercise. How much exercise does your pooch get? All of that and more you'll find on the front pages and inside the daily papers for today. And incidentally, mothball your mower now to save bees. Don't cut your grass as much. If you cut your grass as much, you won't get bees. And that, they say, is bad news. Steve Allen on LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome. I just moved... I, ju I know, I just moved, actually, to go through something in the wastepaper basket. And all of a sudden, I thought, wait a minute, that's my cue. All cyclists, says Jill in Bracknell, before they get on the road, should learn how to use the roads and pass a test. Well, in my day, it was called the cycling proficiency test. It wasn't compulsory, but a lot of people wanted to do it. And she says, I remember learning about the cycle. Anybody can walk into a store, buy a bicycle and kit and get straight onto the roads. Roads are so much more dangerous. They are. 
We did a competition years ago, uh, and it was it was to find out how, how it was, which was the easiest way to get around the capital. And so we all set off from the same point, Golders Green. I got a bicycle, having not been on a bicycle for about 25 years. So I had a bicycle. Somebody took the tube. Somebody took the bus. Somebody took a taxi. Well, I'm telling you, it was the most frightening experience of my life. I didn't have a high-vis jacket because we didn't know what high-vis jackets were in those days. Uh, the bike might have had lights on it. I couldn't swear to it. And, and I cycled. From, well, it was the most... It was just exhausting. Absolutely exhausting. But we managed to get back in, in one piece. But cars do not see cycles. People open doors. They just, you know, people swerve in front of you. People cut you up. Small wonder that all the cyclists now are getting their helmets, which can save your life, and putting a cycle cam on the top of it just to make sure that should it actually come to a court of law, you've got some sort of recourse against drivers who don't see you. But a lot of cyclists do not help themselves. That's why Nick Ferrari is doing this scheme this morning, and they'll be talking about it again just to make sure that uh, it's called brighter riding. And it's a case of... Riders, sorry. It's a, it's, it's a case of getting kids out there to wear high-vis jackets so you can see them. Because too many people, I'll see loads this morning going home from here. Admittedly, it'll be a bit, a bit brighter when I do go home. But, you know, early in the morning, people cycling in dark clothes with no lights on the bicycle. I think the bike should be confiscated immediately. Confiscated. It should be totally illegal to actually go out there and be on the roads. It's like having a car that doesn't have an MOT. Mind you, there are cars out there that do not have MOTs. Terrible. Um, if anybody, says Polly in lovely South End, wants to give up their space ticket worth about £200,000, I'll be very happy to have it. Uh, although maybe not the first flight. Perhaps they could send Lauren Poppy, Chloe, Jessica on the first one. Yes, anybody from the only West Essex, I think, would be absolutely fantastic. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Try and get through as many of these as uh, possible. Uh, Dean says, I'm going to send my grandson Dylan to spend Christmas with you. I think it's because Uncle Steve's quite generous at Christmas when it comes to presents. And also, I think Christmas is definitely for, for sort of younger people. And uh, very nice indeed. Neil he says, uh, don't laugh, but I've just ordered Lorraine and I some bikes with lights, helmets and high-vis jackets. Look out, look out East Hertfordshire. I'm coming. Yes. Well, I think that's great. And... Um, Nice pictures of the of the poppies at the Tower of London. Still, people are going, but they're saying, please check beforehand. Please check beforehand. Don't uh, don't go unless the station's opened because it can be an absolute nightmare, and you don't want to stand there for ages and ages. Uh, Stephen in Croydon says, when will schools have high vis vests as part of a school uniform so when they walk to school they can be seen in Twickenham, where I am, we have a little nursery. And parents obviously put the kids in the nursery in the morning and at some point during the daytime, a couple of times, they all go out for a walk in Crocodile. Now, they're either sitting in a little train thing which is pulled along. They look... It's it's so cute, I can't tell you. And I would take a photograph, but of course it's totally illegal to take photographs of other people's kids. But it's funny. It's funny to see. And when they go out for a walk and they're only about two, two and three-year-olds, they're all yoked up to this piece of plastic, which they hang on to, but every single one of those children at two and three years old is wearing a high-vis jacket. Every one of them, they wear it in the daytime, they wear it all the time. Even if they're sitting in the little train, which is two carriages, and you get about one, two, three, four, there's about six children in each carriage, little tiny kids, they've all got their high-vis jackets on. So if they can manage it, why can't everybody else manage it? Makes far more uh, 
Far more sense, doesn't it? Well, I think it does. Uh, 84850, uk. <clears throat> Another one. Uh, Brian at Twickenham Station wants to know if, if Cheryl Cole's a member of the Musicians' Union. <laughs> I think not. I think not. Do they, still, they do still have... In, in America, they have a very strange system. Each theatre is supposed to have an orchestra. Or a, or a band, or something like that. And it's designated for so many members. It was something negotiated years and years ago. And so what they would have, if a straight play went on at a theatre, the Musicians' Union would send their members, and they'd just sit there waiting and smoking. They were never part of it, but because there was an arrangement, that's what people did. They sort of went... It was all very odd, actually. Very, very strange. Um, I agree, says Kevin the Milkman. London cyclists should have to take a test to use the roads within the M25. Too many just cycle along like they're on a country lane on a Sunday afternoon. He says, by the way, I'm looking out for you, Neil. Adrian in Morden says if a cyclist is found without lights, they should be heavily fined. Too many times do I see near misses. <clears throat> Sharon in Harrow says, uh, great programme. Just to say I did buy a paper last week, only to find you'd covered nearly every story, so I shan't buy any more. We do that on Sunday. We do that on Sunday. Uh, where we go through every single Sunday paper. And so by the time you actually go out and buy these things, I wonder, really, you know, whether or not you, you bother, you'd ever want to buy a paper. Wendy in Farnborough says, where's the Graceland being held? Oh, two. It's running. It runs for loads of time. Still, I think it's all the way through until August of next year. Listen, thank you for your time this morning. We have a free podcast for you up very, very shortly. Uh, the papers will be covered in depth by everybody else on LBC a little bit later on today. Nick Ferrari and the team are going to be with you at seven. If you go to the LBC website, lbc.co.uk, then you can download the app. That will automatically download my free podcast to you and the other free podcasts as well. And then the other podcast where you can download everything on the station is available on subscription at lbc.co.uk. Uh, so the weather is kind to us. I must remember to try and do everything today. I don't want to walk in tomorrow morning and say I've forgotten everything. Coming up at seven, Nick Ferrari. But next, it's Lisa Aziz with the morning news. This is LBC. 